Welcome to Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. Hi, I'm Devara Krasniansky, and I've been coaching women for a long time in all areas of life, and more recently in midlife. Midlife is an exciting time, but it's also sometimes confusing. And so I invite experts to come here to my podcast to talk about different aspects of midlife. You can join in our conversation on our Facebook group, Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. In this episode, I spoke with Hannah Mason, a vitality and life coach, about getting out of the box to find what is possible for you. For so many years, we created structural routines so we could accomplish all that we had to in those years of caregiving and building a life. And those routines were wonderful and predictable, and we needed those. And those were also somewhat constricting of our consciousness. So Hannah and I spoke of ways to expand our consciousness through meditation and travel, introspection from mini retreats, learning and reading and spending time with others. It's a great episode. Enjoy. Today I'm so excited to have Hannah Mason to be talking about so much. Hannah, I met you at that retreat and it was such a fabulous retreat. And then I've heard you in webinars and other things. You just have so much to share on this topic of life in general. And more specifically today, we'll talk about midlife, going out of the box to what's possible for you. So before we get started, Hannah, Let's talk about what you've been doing recently and what you do in general. Oh, what I've been doing recently. So I'm having my sabbatical year that's like inside of my life, meaning that I'm uh, spending as much time as possible in meditation. So I'm like trying to expand my consciousness by going inside. And it's like really fascinating because we think that we have to go places and do new things and explore new things in order to change. And really, sometimes we could literally just close our eyes and see nothing and learn, so to speak, nothing. And so much learning and seeing can happen in that space of presence. So I'm enjoying that very much. And I had the opportunity the past month month and a half to be in Colombia, South America, which is where I originally am from, but hadn't been to for 30 years. And while I was there, I went to Joe Dispenza retreat and delved even deeper into the world of meditation. And um, I'm still, you know, working with my coaching clients and working on a book and simultaneously planning on an upcoming retreat that I'm helping Rev Daniel Katz uh, give over in Tulum, Mexico. So that's exciting. That's my life at the moment. So meditation, uh, tuning in, let's talk a little bit of what that is like. So one of the challenges that we have in our lives is we get stuck in our boxes, right? That's like what this whole talk is about. This conversation is about how do we get out of our box? And one of the things that keeps us in our box is we walk through our day and we tend to put ourselves into a routine. And as we get older, we have a tendency to get even more routined. We're more particular about things. We expect our schedule to be a certain way and our meals to happen at a certain time. And as we go into midlife, so we are even our children become significantly more predictable. It's not like they're, you know, two and pulling a tantrum in the middle of the day and we have to be flexible. It's like, no, everything happens the way we want it to happen. And um, and a lot of people don't expose themselves to new things, learn new things. They figure out their career and they stay in their career for a really long period of time. Uh, so in every way possible to get ourselves more into that box. And we're very connected to visual and audio stimuli but particularly visual stimuli. It's like what we see reminds us who we are. 
So it's like, I wake up in the morning and I see my bed and I'm like, oh yes, this is my bed and this is who I am. And then I pick up my phone and I see my WhatsApp account and it reminds me who I am. And I'm, you know, it's like all of these constant reminders that keep me in my box. And I see all of my stuff and all of my house and all of my things that put me back into my box. And I like being in my box because it's so cozy and comfortable and it's my place and it's my turf. The challenge, of course, is that there's not a lot of growth that happens when I'm stuck in my box, right? There's not a lot of room for, for newness and potential. And what our souls crave, the whole reason they signed up for this adventure called I'm going to dress up as a human being on planet Earth is because they want to learn and grow. So how do we like get ourselves to learn and grow? So one of the ways that we get out of our box is by closing our eyes and going into silence. And so we shut down all of the audio stimuli. Um, I happen to really like listening to music that induces um, the type of brain waves that are very calming. So that helps me center. Other people can do whatever works for them. You know, sitting in nature is really helpful because the frequencies that the birds sing and that the, the breeze sings and like all of the frequencies of nature also get us into that meditative, um, more contemplative brainwave state. And we close our eyes and all of the stimuli that we're normally used to looking at, you know, the my sofa and my dress that I still have to take to the seamstress, literally, that's sitting on my sofa right now, you know, like all of those things. It's like all of that's gone. And now I'm left looking at nothing. But of course, I'm not left looking at nothing because all of my stuff is coming up to say hello. Because now it's my worries about the future and my concerns about the past and my regrets about the thing that I did and my plans for, you know, the stuff that I have to do. Like all of the stuff just comes up and I can face my stuff. So, for example, this morning I sat for an hour and a half in meditation. And it took me about 15 minutes to really get present and be in a meditative state. And then for another like hour plus, I... um visited parts of my body that were feeling pain. So that for me was like my jaw. I tend to grind my teeth and it's something I'm working on. And uh, all this anger came up. And so I was like, okay, anger, I'm just going to let you move through me. And so I just like literally very quietly because my husband was sleeping. I was like, you know, and then sadness came up and I cried. And then another emotion came up and I just like allowed all of those things. And here there's like nothing happening in my life. I'm just sitting on the couch, but there was so much happening. By the end of that hour, I was exhausted. And my body was like, no, but we have more. Can we come up and say hello more? We have all these other emotions from your entire life to, you know, and I was like, no, I'm done. We'll, we'll do it another day. We'll come back another day. Um, so that's one way we get out of our box is, is in, in that meditative state, A, we can revisit the past and redraw it, right? Re-explore it. We can also think about what we want our future to be like just through the power of imagination. And the other way we get out of our box is by traveling. About meditation first. Yeah. I love it. We'll, yeah. we'll definitely get to that other topic, but meditation. So if we were to Google for that kind of uh, audio that you were, that kind of gets into the meditative, what would we Google for? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so really, I think for each person, it's a little bit different. There is a composer named Barry Goldstein okay. um, who does a lot of the compositions for Joe Dispenza. And I think a lot of his work is really phenomenal. Um, so also there's there's something called binaural beats. 
So binaural means that it's hitting each ear in a different way. Okay. So what happens when your right ear hears something different from what your left ear hears, it forces the two sides of your brain to talk to each other. I'm oh. hearing an A. What are you hearing? Oh, I'm hearing a B. Really? That's what you're hearing? I'm hearing a hum. Oh, I'm hearing a buzz. Oh, da, 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 da. And, and when there's more conversation between the left and right hemispheres, you get like a lot more synergy and coordination and calm. That kind of cool? That's so cool. So you yeah. need like earbuds or headphones for that. Earbuds yeah. and headphones really, really help. Yeah. So I find Joe Dispenza's guided meditations to be really helpful. And so today I listened to the first 15 minutes of his guided meditation. And then I decided that I had work to do on myself that was personal. And so I just ignored him for the rest of the time mm -hmm. and just uh, listened to the music and focused on my stuff. And he kept giving instructions. And I was like, I don't care about your instructions. I have work to do. Okay. So uh, how um, often do you do an hour and a half of meditation? Pretty much every morning. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. like, that sounds like a lock. I mean, how do we ease into that? How do you ease into that? You ease into it with five minutes, with 10 minutes, with 20 minutes, like whatever is realistic for you. Um, if you're doing short, shorter pieces of time, I recommend that you do them multiple times a day. I recommend everyone do multiple times a day because even though I did the aha hour and a half this morning, by now it's like, I kind of forgot it. Mm hmm which is why in, you know, in Jewish practice, we have the, the morning service, the afternoon service, the evening service. It's like, why do we need to say over and over again, God is one? It's because we forget. We think <laughs> that we live in a world of duality because our eyes confuse us. Right. Okay. So let's not do it at the Shachat Mincha of timing or with our meals. There's also three meals a day or something. Schedule it is what I'm hearing. Schedule it. Yeah, like even before a meal, you could just sit down and close your eyes. Like one thing I notice is that sometimes I eat because my body's hungry and sometimes I eat because my emotions are hungry. Right. And I don't do this as often as I would like, but when I close my eyes and I visit and I'm like, hey, are you doing okay? And then it's like, oh, I'm sad. And it's like, can I just sit with that sadness even just for a few moments? And then the sadness can move through and then I don't eat like a ravenous hyena. That's so cool. That's sort of like whether we have breakfast before we eat, like just slow down and appreciate that we're going to be eating now. But oftentimes we're like, yeah. And it's just to slow down and like take in the scent of it. It's like uh, I, what I learned when it's like open the orange and actually open it, like squeeze it so you can actually appreciate it when you make the bracha. I thought it was so cool when I heard that. I mean, most of the time I try to do that. Let's just say, try. But it does make a difference the, to the eating. The word baruch, the word bracha, literally embedded in it is the concept of abundance. So it's down. like, I feel so abundant that I'm recognizing the abundance of God. But that means you have to feel abundant and recognize the abundance of God, which is really hard to do when you're stuffing your face like a hyena. Right. But if you slow down, I think it's just like how the whole bracha should be said, like take a a few the few seconds that it takes to actually say it not mumble it i think i see the difference for me so i think that's and i mean yeah. we do eat a few times during the day so there's a few times during the day just to tune in again so that was my meditation and again yes. when we go to the bathroom there's another meditative practice to say you know to say that bracha every time we say bracha it's like the reason we have blessings planted in our day is to 
have constant reminders to be conscious because the body is constantly pulling us out of consciousness. I think it's so cool. The whole, the whole thing is so amazing. All right. So now you said you have something else, travel. So let's go with that. Yeah. So there's sort of traveling in the mind and then there's real travel, right? So we were just in Colombia. It was really cool for me to go to Colombia now as an adult because I haven't been since I was a teenager. And to be able to have an objective perspective on the culture that I grew up in to a certain degree, because I'm Jewish. It's like, it's, you know, Jews are different, but, but to, to hear the language and the, and the music and to notice like what resonated with me and what didn't resonate with me and what spoke to me and what did I appreciate and what could I learn from these people? And it's a different culture. So there's always something to learn. So something that's really beautiful about Colombia, and I've been to a bunch of countries in Latin America, but Colombia is really, really unique in this way or, or extreme in this way, is the level of graciousness that people have. So Latin Americans in general, like very warm and friendly people compared to North Americans, but Colombians, the bill bend over backwards to, to be of service. Just people want to serve and they won't just serve. They'll serve with, they won't just like serve you with one word. They'll serve you with 10 words. You know, they won't just like find a way to help you. They'll find a way to really, really help you. You know, it's just like people, the, the, the desire to serve and to be kind and gracious is huge in Colombia. Wow. Right. And to, and to experience that in a culture and how lovely that is and how lovely it is to be spoken to in that way. And, are there pieces of, the, of that that I can take into myself that it's not like, oh, somebody's asking me for directions and I just give them back directions. We asked this woman for directions on the street and she literally escorted us for like five minutes, making sure, pointing out the bank that we were looking for and are you okay? And, to, and then she let us go. Wow. You so know, whereas Israelis are like straight, straight to the right. Bye. Try <laughs> <laughs> So that's, the difference, I think, what the difference between what you were doing was like really like being a traveler. Actually, you were there for several weeks, so you actually were able to slow down and be there, not just have a checklist of tourist spots to see, which is also right. interesting. And I, not to discount that, but there's something about slowing down and being in the culture and talking to the locals yeah. rather than the tour, the tour operators. So one of the things we like to do is we rent uh, Airbnbs in a city and we go out of our way to go to the local markets. Because local markets, but especially farmers markets, it's like there's lots of points of interaction. Um, and and I see a piece of produce that I don't know, and I'm like, what is that? And how do you cook it? And I get a whole explanation, sometimes from customers, sometimes from the vendor, sometimes they fight it over, you know, it's like whatever it is. And it's just such a pleasure to to bask in that and to explore new things and new tastes and new experiences. But there's this other thing that happens as we're in a place getting to know the place we see our lives from a distance. And I open my eyes and I'm not seeing the same bed right. that I normally see. And I'm not seeing the same living room and I'm not seeing the same whatever. Everything's new. And so I'm like, oh, who am I? Especially when they go to a country that doesn't speak English. And like when I went to, when, went to Moscow, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, we're not, Americans are not the center of the universe. And things are very different here in Moscow. And it kind of, I love that contrast of seeing myself in a bigger world and like seeing, just getting to know myself in contrast to their culture. Like they don't smile as much. What does that mean? 
Like, yes. I actually read that in the Torah books that the, the Russians don't smile because they don't, they think you're weird if you smile. They think you have, you have something wrong with you. I was like, hmm, what does that mean They're about very, our culture? They're very like panned. Uh, I just found that traveling is very, it provides an opportunity for introspection and what what is important to me? What can I take in from that world? So I, I do find that travel is a wonderful way to get to know myself, but travel's expensive sometimes, depending how you do it. But depending how you do it. That's the big piece is depending how you do it. So our financial situation has been uh, developing in the positive direction. Thank God. May we continue to be blessed. Um, Ever since our big, massive package of huge financial mistakes that led us into tremendous amounts of debt. And we've been climbing ourselves out of that and into, you know, more beautiful, expansive places uh, for the past decade. And um, and that's what led us to write this book, The Cash Machine, that my husband and I wrote together was like, wow, all the financial lessons we wish we knew then, we'd love to put them into a novel that makes it accessible for other people. And when we um, when we first started traveling, we didn't have a lot of resources. So what we did was we rented out our apartment. Okay. And we happened to live in Jerusalem in the center of town, I'm a minute walk from Machne Yehuda Marketplace, which it, it's like the hottest place to rent. So I can get more than what I pay in rent. And then I go travel and with what I get, even if I just got what I paid in rent, that totally covers me in any third world country very sure. nicely. So one thing we do is we go to third world countries. We don't hire tour operators. We take Airbnbs for long stretches of time. And when you do that, you can negotiate better prices than if you stay in hotels, than if you move from place to place. There's less transportation costs. In a lot of third world countries, drivers are super cheap. And so we'll just like in Bogota, we took a, an Uber from our hotel where we were staying. My cousin got married. And so the whole family stayed in this hotel. So we never stayed in a hotel, but we were in a hotel. From the hotel to the Gold Museum, which is downtown, it was in a half an hour drive. And the Uber costs $3, $4, exactly. And food is cheap in third world countries. If you, know, if you cook for yourself, which is something we always do because we keep kosher and we're vegan and we're super healthy. So we're not interested in whatever you know, restaurant, whether, whether there's kosher restaurants available, it's like not really relevant to us. Um, and so our food budget ends up being less than when we're here. And our transportation budget budget is about the same as when we're here, because here we don't own a car anyway. So transportation is either by foot or we take taxis or buses or whatever it is, which is exactly what we do when we're abroad. We take taxis or buses or whatever we need. And um, and the housing budget is is covered by our house. And, you know, now we're shifting into a place where we can't afford to not necessarily rent out our apartment. Um, But we still choose to go to places that are that are, you know, kind of exotic. And for us, we happen to like it. Like I like going to Latin America. I do speak the language. Uh, There's so much more to learn. There's a lot more cultural diversity. Um, And we went to, during COVID, we went for three months to South Africa. That's a really inexpensive country. They speak English. There's so much interesting culture, culture and history to learn and explore. Um, So traveling doesn't have to be expensive. Right. Uh, and if you're going to open your mind and not necessarily to be luxurated, 
then I think that you can really go to a lot of places. You can even go to some of the more expensive cities, just do it in a smaller way if you're really going to expand yourself rather yeah. than just to get the spas and the fancy restaurants. So different people travel in different ways. It's just this is one of the ways, I think, from what I'm hearing from you and also from my own experiences, to travel just to expand myself, open, open my own horizons. I find that I do see myself in different ways and get different ideas of what I could be doing just from the travel. And we don't travel luxuriously, but we do get to go places. I would, Colombia sounds really cool. That's something I would love to do. Colombia is such a beautiful country. It really is. And, you know, we happen to really love nature and we love hiking and we love the outdoors, which also means that the housing is less expensive than it is, you know, in the cities. The food is less expensive than it is, is in the cities. We'd rather not be in the cities. The cities are also more dangerous. So, it's that, you know, that's also just our taste. We're backpacker kind of people. That's just the way we are. Right. But there also is that your work is flexible enough that you can do it from anywhere. I mean, obviously, some people can't be taking six weeks to travel, even if they had the money to, they just can't. So there's different ways. So then you, then you did say that you can do some sort of travel in your mind or armchair traveling or so talk a little bit about that. So actually I, I really got that from my rabbi. So my rabbi Rav David Sperling, um, he, and he was telling me about how he and his wife during COVID and there were very strict lockdowns here in Jerusalem, they couldn't leave their apartment. So they would just sit in bed, the two of them and uh, pick a country and they would literally just travel and explore that place in their minds. Wow. Well, even if we're doing the internet, you can actually see the places and... Yeah, yeah. So I think they, they use that resource a little bit, but it, they spent a lot of time in their minds just exploring and doing things and learning. And um, for me, the, the deeper I get into meditation, also I'm able to... I know it sounds a little crazy. I'm still not super comfortable even talking about it, but I'm able to travel into higher planes of consciousness a little bit. I'm getting there. And that's just there's just so much there. You can travel back in time to earlier times in your life. Um, oh, this is a cool, this is a cool story. So a girlfriend and I were talking about food and I do something a lot of people do, which is I have, I'm not like necessarily, you know, binging huge buckets of ice cream at three o'clock in the morning, but I will eat more food than I need on a given day or at a given meal and then I have a stomach ache and I don't feel good about myself. And that's a really common thing because a lot of us like eat from an emotional place. And I was right. telling my girlfriend about this for the first time I was really speaking about it out loud and it was really uncomfortable for me. And she said, well, what, what is it that you wanted that you didn't get that food gave you growing up? And boom, I had this like flashback to sitting at the dining room table as a little girl and my parents having conversations that were very adult conversations. And I was the youngest of three, but by like a large margin. And I would try to participate in the conversation. And my parents would think that it was like disrespectful and appropriate. And I didn't know what I was talking about. And they're talking business and be quiet. And what I really wanted was to feel apart and have connection. And it's like, okay, well, if I can't have that, I can have another potato. It's like you want you want nourishment and it's like you want really you want spiritual nourishment, but you'll take the potato instead because it's like, you know, what can you do? So I mean, I, I so I had this scene where I'm sitting there and I'm taking potato after potato after potato. And my mom used to make these like amazing roasted potatoes with like a bajillion spices. And 
and and at a certain point she'd see I was eating too much and she'd kind of like slap my hand or pull it back or something and she'd be like no more and somehow that was like even more rejecting okay. and and then I really want more potatoes and I feel really really bad about my so it's like not only did I want more potatoes now I felt bad and now it's like I have no way of getting any sort of love at all because I can't get it from the potatoes and I can't get it from the conversation so this came up with my girlfriend and so what I did is I sat in meditation and I visited this little girl right. and I decided that rather than sitting on the chair I was going to sit in the chair and she was going to sit on my lap Okay. And I was going to give her everything that she wanted that she wasn't getting at that meal. And there was a lot of crying there. There was just crying and crying and crying and crying of like all that. And I just gave it to her. I gave her all that love and all that attention. And then, of course, I have another flashback to a different scene in my life and another scene in my life and another scene in my life. And I was just there giving all of that love and all of that attention to that girl young woman woman who was using food instead of whatever it was she really wanted that's a that's a journey that was like time travel you don't have to go into a machine it was right there I just got my eyes closed and there I was it's very cool yeah I'm just feeling that little girl like I mean because the, the food thing is yeah I think it resonates with a lot of us I think that's really common and did you find that it actually helped your eating eating habits? Yeah. Um, so it's not a hundred percent. I I think I I need to work work it more. But I noticed that the rest of that week, I didn't have that pain in my stomach from being overfull. Because you weren't overfull. Right. You weren't eating. Wow. So we yeah. really can work through it. Oh, so much is in our mind, and meditation is. A part of it, but what I'm also hearing is that it's not like a one-time meditation or a two-time. It's like consistent. Yeah. And just keep keep working at it. And chip away. And there's at also like stuff. a part of you that's like not really trust. Like, are, do you really love me? Are you really there for me? You know, like, okay, is this legit? And and oh no, I'm gonna go back to that pattern that I had before when I'm nervous. Okay, come, come, let's, let's revisit that, you know, can you in the middle of a meal when you notice that you're like, doing the hyena thing, pause, close your eyes, sit, what's going on? Right. That's hard like, for me. That's really hard for me. Yeah. Or middle of the middle of the Danish and saying, hmm, I don't have to finish this, even if it's delicious. Like, I don't have to. But what I am noticing is some of the stores are actually getting smaller portions, smaller Danishes. So I'm very grateful for that. Instead of having to cut it, they just give you smaller. It's charged the same, which is a whole different economic question. But the smaller. <laughs> it also helps to be in Miami where everybody's skinny. It has an effect. You think everyone's skinny until you actually walk down the street and say, hmm, not really. <laughs> not really? Okay. Yeah. Well, compared to New York, it's like a... Yeah, the weather's nicer here. Yeah. Also, we were we were talking before. We were talking about being around people that are, do interesting things can actually also expand your mind. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So, once upon a time, I made friends with this woman, and uh, we'd hang out a bunch. And I got to know her story. You know, we all live a story. We're like a novel. That's really what we are, right? We have this 
and we meet new people in chapter four, let's say. Right. And so I met her in chapter four and I'm like, oh, she's an interesting person. We have a bunch in common. We're da, 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 this, this, and that. I'm so excited. I'm like so looking forward to chapter five. And at a certain point in, in, in our getting to know each other, I noticed we went back to the beginning of chapter four. I didn't notice. We went back to the beginning of chapter four and chapter four is playing itself out again. And I'm like, hmm. And, and then this happens again. And somewhere around the third or fourth or fifth time of me having to reread chapter four, I'm getting frustrated with the relationship. And I sort of checked in with myself or sort of hashed it out with my husband. And that's where I came up with this concept of chapter four. I was like, I was I'm like, kind of, I'm I'm kind of what was, what were you revisiting in chapter four? What do you mean? It's, it's like she was just playing the same narrative. Oh, okay. Uh, she was dating the exact same guy, but, you know, with a different name and a different look. She was doing, you know, doing the exact same work patterns, the exact same life patterns. There was no growing going on. And with the novel, if you had to keep rereading chapter four, by the third or fourth iteration, you'd just like shoot the book or shoot yourself or something because it's so boring. You close the book. It's like so boring. You're like, there's no, right? You go, you read chapter five. You're like, wait a second. This is exactly like chapter four. You read chapter six. You're like, wait a second. Exactly like chapter four. And that's what it felt like. Um, that was my metaphor for what it was like to be in relationship with this person. And eventually I just, you know, slowly kind of eased my way out of the relationship because I was bored. Okay. And it happened again with a couple other people. And I've kind of noticed, you know, I'll just say to my husband, this person's stuck in chapter four. I can't like, I can't be in this relationship because it's boring. So for me, <clears throat> that's what I look for. I look for people who are like novels I want to keep reading that I can't put down because their narrative up to now has been interesting and they have so much drive for growth and learning and exploration that I know there's going to be an awesome arc. There's going to be a great hero's journey and that along that arc of all of that learning and growth, I'm going to get to benefit not just from the entertainment of it, which is, I mean, let's be honest, interesting people are fun to be around, but also from the wisdom of it. So I have a girlfriend who is just like an amazing healer, coach, person who's come into my life recently. And um, she, a number of years ago, got very, very ill. And the doctors kind of gave her a, we give up on you situation to her and her parents. And so she just could see that the doctors had nothing to offer her and she was really sick. So she took a totally alternative route did a tremendous amount of meditation and work on herself and literally just had juice for a few years and is totally healed. He's the happiest, brightest, most glowing person I know. She's, she's like a light bulb. And we went on a walk yesterday morning and we're walking and she's telling me about something going on in her life where she's stuck. And I was like, oh, this idea, this idea, this idea. And she's like, ooh. And she's processing these ideas and thinking about how she could shift her life based on the insights I have for her. And then I'm telling her about what's going on in my life and where I'm stuck. And she's like, oh, this idea, this idea, this idea. Wow. And we're having a great time. We're going for a walk and we're having so much fun and we're laughing and we're, you know, 
And, and, and it's, and it's, it's so exciting to be in a relationship like that. Like, I know that she's never going to let me get away with being stuck in chapter four. But you would, you wouldn't because you're just interesting in your own way and you like trying new things and you like doing new things. So it has to maybe what works. Cause if someone I'm thinking like, yes, it was nice to hang, to attach myself or someone would have to attach themselves to someone who's interesting, but it's a relationship. They also have to find something in the relationship back. Yeah. So if you're in chapter four. That's why we're talking about different ideas to get yourself out of your chapter four, get out of the box, just do different things or try new hobbies. It may or may not be something that's new to you or that's, that sticks, but the trying, I think is so cool. Like, I don't know, I'll try woodworking and see if that's interesting enough. At least there's a kernel of it that's interesting. I want to try that. And I think that expands myself. Hmm, interesting, not, but I meet people along the way of trying new hobbies. It's just getting out of the rut, I think. Yeah. And also there are consciousness expanding that sounds like big words but like things that take you out of the box experiences that i think are a really really worthwhile investment when we first started making investments and in going to tony robbins events and joe Dispenza events i thought it was like it was a stretch like it, it was money and it was big money and i was like i don't know if i can handle this da, da, da. but we decided to take the leap and now i have no question whatsoever the best investment you can make is in your personal growth and expansion going on retreats going on consciousness building things like anything that takes you out of your life and puts you in an environment where everyone is thinking about how to make themselves in the world a better place is going to snap you out of your box and give you a bird's eye view on your life and if you really show up for yourself in those times and say, okay, what are my takeaways? Because you you can't live up here, right? Yeah. Like I was meditating with 1,700 people in Cartagena, Colombia on the beach. Like that's not my life. That's not my everyday life. I can't meditate all day. That's not happening, right? But while I'm there, I can ask myself, what did I learn here? And how do I root my learning into my everyday life? And how do I keep it going in my everyday life? So now I come back to my everyday life and I'm like, ah, I really want to work on these areas in my life. I'm going to sit in meditation and work on those. I'm going to keep meditating so that I can take this experience with me. Or, you know, I'm going to go on a yoga retreat and I'm going to like learn yoga and yoga is uncomfortable and I don't know how to do it. But now I can come back into my life and I can, can I do yoga every day, even if it's for 10 minutes? Right. Um, and so, and, and that takes me out of my routine and gets me to like question everything. And retreats tend to be, expensive investments like this retreat that I'm um you know helping Rev Daniel facilitate it's like three thousand dollars a person okay. and you think that like I can't afford to do that stuff but the reality is that money will come back to you because when you expand your consciousness you expand what's possible you make a bigger clee for Shefa to come into your life somehow more money comes in. I almost think it's like the rule of tzedakah that if you give tzedakah, Hashem will like give you more. I think it's kind of like that. Well, in some ways it makes sense that you just expand your own creativity, your own mind, your, your own confidence so that it just makes sense that things will be coming in because you are more financially even because you're just more available rather than holding yourself into a smaller place. It just kind of makes sense. Yes. In its way, not even in the cosmic way, but just here in the, in the physical way. But, okay, so some people are not ready to invest in a $3,000 retreat. Let's just talk about some, uh, some little way to invest in themselves. Let's just start with investing in time. Do you have any ideas of just investing? Some people don't even yet 
give themselves the me time or the time for some conscious, something conscious uh, building. So is there anything you can do at home to start? So something you can do at home to start is listen to a guided meditation. I find for most people to start meditation in silence can be a little bit scary, but if you have somebody's voice like telling you what to do, it's like a little bit more comforting. So that's one option. One thing I think most people can afford to do is to take a Sunday. Ideally, I think, is that true? Ideally? Yeah, I think it's more fun. Get a group of friends together, take a Sunday. And if you want to make it super affordable, do it in somebody's house. If you can stretch yourself a little bit, if you have a group, it makes it really doable. Rent uh, a space somewhere that's like closer to nature, just for the day, right? You get an Airbnb just for the day. You know, you can get an Airbnb for $100, $200. If you split it a bunch, you know, amongst a bunch of friends, you can afford that. It's like the class, you know, the cost of a class. And find um, an online a course that you can take together. So for example, Ruth Daniel Katz's elevation program is great, or Joe Dispenza's course, or on Gaia.com, there are a whole bunch of different courses. And, and these courses usually give you homework to do. Tony Robbins has these like free online challenges. So many people have these free online challenges. What happens, most people watch them and they don't do the work. Um, or even just like, there's this one, um, oddly enough, financial services company that took my book, Hold That Thought, and they met once a week for six months and did and worked, workshopped a chapter a week amongst 20 of their employees. Wow. So you can do that. You can take a book like, like mine. You can take a, some other book that inspires you and actually do the exercises as a group. Because you have a group, you'll do it. That's why I'm saying by yourself, it might okay. be hard. But if you have a group of friends and you guys all like picnic together and you, you know, you potluck together, you make the food and whatever, that's super duper affordable. If you're doing a curriculum from a book, like the whole day is going to cost you like maximum $50 a person. Everyone can afford that. Right. Um, and if you spend some time in nature, it's already going to, you know, start resetting your nervous system. You're going to laugh. You're going to play, maybe sing, maybe put some music, maybe do some dancing. Like you can create a retreat for yourself. So it's interesting because when I went to Colombia, uh, when I went to Cartagena, my girlfriend and I decided we were going to go together to Joe Dispenza's event as walk-ins, meaning that his registration for the event had already closed three months before. His registrations open and close within 15 minutes. So the registration had closed a long time before. But, you know, people don't always show up for things they sign up for, and they don't allow for cancellations. So if people don't show up, they have open seats. Okay. And you have to hope that there are enough open seats so that you have a chance to get in. And we didn't find out until the second day of the event that we got our open seats. We got in. So what we did is we decided if we weren't going to be able to get into the event, we were going to spend that week creating our own curriculum and doing our own retreat. And the Airbnb cost us like $70 a night. So it cost me $35 a night to be on the beach. In it's Columbia. doable. These things so, are doable. Like a DIY yeah. retreat. Yeah. And we were literally just going to play his online course and, you know, do some meditations and go walking on the beach and have mango and papaya and avocado. Wow. But you didn't have to. Uh, right. <laughs> 
we just had the mango and the papaya and the avocado <laughs> and got him live because <laughs> it's not but like the, the food was kosher so we just had fruit all day but the idea of it that it's actually possible the idea if you really want to expand yourself there are ways to do it there are expensive ways but there are some ways and it's sometimes fun to do it locally with friends who will hold you accountable will help you laugh will help you cry and just I guess that means that you have a good core of friends or that you could cry with just one friend I'll start with one start with one yeah one is enough so cool so we have to talk yeah. about what that can look like some some ideas maybe we can post some, uh, some ideas of what to include what kind of curriculum like even your book Talk about your book for a minute to hold hold that thought. So I'll show you two two of my books. I, I would actually recommend that people do inner voices because I think it's um I think it's more accessible for beginners. So this book, Inner Voices, has a whole bunch of chapters that teach tools of how to in how to start questioning your thinking and questioning the beliefs that block you from moving forward. And doing, you know, and and this work hold this book, hold that thought, does the same thing. And these books, uh, the content of the books work really, really well in, in partner work because sometimes you can fool yourself, but you can't really fool another person. They'll see through your BS. So that's always really helpful. Um, and, you know, Hold That Thought has 22 chapters with 22 tools, and you can literally just go chapter by chapter and practice and keep practicing and keep practicing and learning those tools. And then you workshop through them and a lot of stuff comes up and then you say, okay, that's been enough emotional time. Let's go have a meal. Let's go for a walk. Let's put some party music on and dance. Right. So then again, it's a, it's a core group of people who you could really, who you can really feel comfortable with and that will really give you feedback. Yeah. So you have to have that right relationship, that right dynamic and be consistent. That's what I'm hearing. And if you don't have that, so then it's really helpful to think about why. And maybe where can you find people like that? There's, if, if you don't have people who you can trust to share your emotions with, you created that. Wow. Hard to hear, but yeah. Right? So you created a, a world in which you don't feel safe sharing. And because you don't feel safe, you don't surround yourself by people who you can feel safe with. So either you're, the people aren't right, or the people are perfectly right. You just don't feel safe sharing with anyone. Powerful to think about for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And especially I think in a midlife when there's so much going on, it's really like get your, somehow get that small core of people that you can talk to because there's so much, whether it's just life and the midlife part on top of it. Like by the time you get to this age, there's stuff happening in your life. You can't have gotten to this age without stuff. Right. And so to work through it by yourself, is just, it's enormous. Yeah, it's like, it's not so fun to do it alone. It's not very hard. It's yeah. Not like fun. even, you know, even that work I did in meditation this morning was inspired by the advice I got from my friend yesterday. And what I'm guessing is that you can go back to her and say, this is what came up for me. Can we talk through it? Yeah. If you want to. Knowing that you could yeah. is part of it. It's huge. It's huge. Like while I was at the Dispense event, I asked a question. Like I've been, you know, focusing on manifesting like 20 different things in my life. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, maybe I be, should be focusing on just one thing. So I went up to somebody on staff who I didn't know. Her name was Grace. She's absolutely lovely, non-Jewish woman. 
And I said to her, I asked her this question, lots of things, one thing. And I had, and she's like, well, how long have you been doing this work? And I told her for like eight months. And she said, have you manifested any of the things that you're focusing on? I said, actually, no. And uh, although by now, yes, because one of the things was traveling around the world and running retreats, but that message from Rev. Daniel didn't happen until the next day. So wow. anyway, so I said to her, no, how crazy is that? So I said to her, no. And she said, and and so she said, well, I'll tell you about my practice. She didn't want to tell me what to do. She said, I'll tell you about my practice. I focus for six months on, you know, for a long time, maybe even up to six months or a year on this one thing that I really want to work on. She talk, talked about the thing she's working on right now is just on being like hugely open-hearted and loving everyone or something like that. And immediately my whole body clenched up. And I said to her, I'm feeling fear. And she said, why? And I said, I don't know. And I went inside and I said to her, I'm scared that if I put all of my eggs in one basket and I don't get that one thing, then I'll end up with nothing. Okay. And she said, it sounds like you don't think it can happen for you. And boom, I just started to bawl. And then she said, okay, so you got to work on worthiness that's what you work on in meditation and then you can actually get several things because you're working on not one thing because you're working so it's on like all, so all i did in meditate for the rest of the retreat that was like on day two the rest of the retreat which is a week long i just worked on this question of what does it mean to be worthy and how can i feel worthy and how can i feel loved and lovable and loving and okay and good enough which is the big existential question every single human being is going through, right? That's all I did. I just brought that into the meditation space. So much happened in that space. And I still have a ton of work to do in that space. Like, and she's right. Got that, and still manifested the retreat. That was kind of cool. That was my, one of the things. Yeah, that was nice. That was but like nice. all the other stuff that I really, 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 really want, even more than that, not yet, but that's okay. Because right now I care more about worthiness than I care about that. The reframing of it. And I, think I just want worthiness. That's all I want. I just want love. That's it. Powerful. Yeah. Hannah, what are the other books that you wrote? Let's just put them all out there because you have so many. You want to put them all out there? Okay. Yeah. You just so this book is called The Size of Your Dream. So all of these books are available as free downloads on my website, hannamason.com slash books. So Inner Voices is not free, but all the other ones are free downloads. So this is called The Size of Your Dreams. And this is a novel. It's actually like a fun book to read. It's a page turner. It's great. We get really good feedback from lots of people. Um, all of our books are for adults and they're accessible um, by kids and teens. Um, this book is, we want to get into the hands of every teenager we possibly can. Um, so if you happen to know a teenager who really needs this book, uh, there's digital copies are available and this book teaches you how to manifest your dreams and also how to really work on your identity and your self of, sense of self and how to be happy with who you are. And there's one more book called The Cash Machine that my husband and I wrote together also, which I mentioned earlier. Isn't it a fun cover? I love the cover. My husband wanted it to look like a Dr. Seuss machine. Look at that. So cool. Yeah. Um, and this book is packed with hundreds of financial lessons. It's a love story. Um, it's about a woman named Amber who's in her mid twenties and she re meets her, um, 
college sweetheart who she never got over. And he's on this like very clear life path and has a very clear financial vision. And it becomes obvious that if they're ever going to be able to get back together again, she needs to get a financial education and understand his life path and decide whether she wants it or not. Because if she doesn't want his life path, like he's not budging. He's really right. clear. She is the typical person who knows nothing about money and has no financial goal. So it's either she's jumping on his ship or jumping off ship, you know, <laughs> jumping ship entirely. Um, so as she gets a financial education, so does the reader. And of course, it's a love story. So there's like love dramas and she ends up dating another guy and she's Italian American. So she's got this super colorful family and there's a lot of food in the book. And of course, because they're Italian, there's a lot of very not kosher food on the book. And I was in charge of all the food. So I'm like learning about octopus dishes and all of the wow. scallopini and all of this like random stuff. Um, but in general, there's just like a lot of life and action and storytelling and character development that's driving the story. And along the way, you're getting a financial education. So that's really fun. Right. And so what I'm also hearing is that for there's no age limit on that book. So midlife, you can still be learning financial education and restarting. Totally, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, my experience of, you know, my clients who are in midlife, it's really interesting because when I first started coaching, I was like totally, you know, it was a decade ago and I was like feeling super young and super intimidated and feeling like I could only work with people in their 20s because they're younger than me. And I started attracting all these women in their 60s. And I realized at this stage of life, you have no patience with your BS. You've got time on your hands and you're ready to show up and work. And it was like the best group of people to work with. It is so, so exciting. And it's a time when you suddenly realize, like, if you don't get fin your finances together, you're going to be in trouble and your kids might be in trouble in trying to, to help you and take care of you. So it's a really, you know, there's, it's like never too late to learn. I love the midlife stage. That's why I'm focusing a lot of my time on this, because like you said, people really want to make the change. They really want to get themselves, like whatever was happening till now, we were building a life, but now it's a little bit more me time and and that there's legacy and all of those kind of questions just come up. So I love this age. And that's why I started this podcast and I started this Facebook group. Hannah, this has been so, so amazing. I love talking to you. And love talking to you too. Thank yeah, you so much for so having Hannah me. .com and you do uh, coaching in finances, but also just in general. Is that right? I do life coaching and I do business coaching and also financial coaching. The financial coaching is not really like, I'm not a financial advisor. Right. It's more helping people in their hashkafa around money. Money mindset. Money, money mindset type stuff. And then there's like actual business strategy consulting type of coaching. Yeah. And you're just such an interesting person. So I think just being around you, people feel inspired to go out of the box to God expand willing. themselves. Well, that's why we picked this topic with, for our conversation. So Hannah, thank you so much. <laughs> it's a pleasure so much. Yeah. All right. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Take care, you too. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com and follow us at jewishmidlife on Instagram and Facebook and join us in our conversations on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Jewish Women Talk About Midlife.